If you appreciate Issues Etc., our 24-7 music and talk stations, and our daily verse-by-verse Bible study, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, please include a bequest in your will or trust for these worldwide media resources. A bequest allows you to receive an estate tax charitable deduction and reduces the tax burden on your family. Ensure your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren the opportunity to listen by including a bequest in your will or trust for Issues Etc., Lutheran Public Radio, and the Word of the Lord endures forever. The short season of Christmas is mostly about the facts. It does explore what it means that the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, from all eternity, then in time assumes a human nature in the womb of the Virgin Mary. But most of that work is left to the next season, the season that we're in right now, the season of Epiphany. And one of the ways that Epiphany does that in a most beautiful way is through Epiphany hymns. Welcome back to Issues Etc., coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to be studying the Epiphany Hymn, The Only Son from Heaven. Joining us on this Wednesday afternoon to do that, Dr. Arthur Just. He's professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. He's author of the two-volume Concordia Commentary on Luke and the book Heaven on Earth, The Gifts of Christ in the Divine Service. Dr. Just, welcome back. Thank you, and a blessed Epiphany. What are your first thoughts here on the Epiphany season? Well, the Epiphany season is, in some ways, one of the great seasons of the year because it continues the theme of Christmas. You know, the the church here essentially is three seasons. You've got the Advent, Christmas, Epiphany season. You have Lent and Easter and then Pentecost. And Christmas goes on in Epiphany. I mean, Epiphany is where the Christ child who was born in Bethlehem, we now see who he is like. I mean, what what his manifestation means for us. And it's the days now are getting lighter and light is dawned. And the light is one of the great themes and Christ lightens the world. He brings light into our darkness. And it's also the theme of life, that the life of the world is now in this child who is gonna be revealed to us during the season of Epiphany. So it's a, it's a wonderful season of miracles. It's a wonderful season in which we really see the kind of compassionate, merciful Savior we have. I have to say, I think the hymnody in Epiphany is some of the great hymnody in the church. So I'm so delighted we're doing this hymn. And there are so many others, too, that are, are just marvelous. And I love about Epiphany is that it it really does take us back into the life of Jesus. And we see you know, exactly who he is. And that's so important right now as Christmas is in a sense over, that we don't lose the the real meaning of Christmas, which is that the Christ is here and he is in the world and he brings light and life to all of us. What would you say about the authorship of this particular hymn? Well, it's a very interesting um, situation here because the, the author, Elizabeth Krusiger, she was the wife of one of the professors that Luther had as a colleague at the University of Wittenberg. His name was Casper. And she, I think, is the only female hymn writer in the 
immediate circle of Luther. And he was sort of desperate for finding good evangelical hymns. And by that, I mean hymns that proclaim the gospel and for good poets. And he knew that she was very, very accomplished. And he he found a wonderful hymn writer in her. She lived during the time of the Reformation from 1500 to 1535. She was very young when she died. She's only 35 years old. And Luther gave her kind of guidelines. You know, he would write letters to his friends, and she would have been included with that and her husband about the kinds of hymns that he wanted. And so it, it's, it's a wonderful sort of story about how this woman who probably wouldn't have been known to us unless Luther had discovered her as a great hymn writer. What in particular makes this hymn, The Only Son from Heaven, an epiphany hymn? Well, many of the themes that I mentioned earlier about Epiphany are here. I mean, the first verse is all about light and the morning star. The second verse is about how the fullness of time had come. And in a sense, that's really what Epiphany is. It also references Jesus' baptism, which is one of the great texts in Epiphany. And then you do have in the third verse a great sort of sense of how heaven has come to earth now. And Epiphany makes us aware of that as this this Son of God travels around, especially in Galilee, healing the sick and preaching and casting out demons, and in a sense, showing us that heaven is open to us in him. And then, of course, the final verse isn't necessarily unique to Epiphany, but it's a magnificent doxological verse and Trinitarian one. And I think what it does do is show you how epiphany, especially that it begins with the father saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased at the baptism of Jesus, and then ends with the transfiguration where the father says the same thing. This is my beloved son or my chosen one in whom I'm well pleased. That epiphany is not just about the manifestation of Jesus, but how Jesus is the one whom the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit now see as the agent in the world to bring about the plan, the Trinitarian plan of salvation, that is to to make all things new in in the Son who was born in Bethlehem. What would you say the primary biblical texts are for this hymn? Well, like so many great hymns, there's not one that pops out at you. Verse two is really a verse that is very dependent on Galatians 4, 4 to 5, how the fullness of time has come that God sent his son into the world and the and the reference to the virgin birth there, born of a woman, born under the law. It's the climax of Galatians. So it's a, it's a wonderful verse. And she is very poetic about verse 2 in using Galatians. Certainly the Annunciation is a, a part of this because the movement, especially in the first verse, is from the Old Testament prophecies foretold by ancient seers. And then it goes right to the the incarnation. And it goes to the, the moment when God becomes flesh, which the Annunciation is all about. And then there are two verses that are more reflective of the themes of Epiphany that this hymn most certainly captured. And that is 2 Timothy 1.10 where Paul writes, and which now has been manifested 
through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now there's light and life, which are two of the great, great themes of Epiphany. And this hymn does have an extraordinary verse on the death of Jesus, and we'll see that. And so the vanquishing of death by the death of Jesus is certainly in play there. The other verse that I think really does sort of encapsulate Epiphany and this hymn is, is 1 John 4, 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And there you have the language of manifest. You've got the love of God, and you have the life that we have in him, which is, again, a great epiphany hymn. The first stanza of The Only Son from Heaven. The only son from heaven foretold by ancient seers, by God the Father given in human form appears. No sphere his light confining, no star so brightly shining as he our morning star. Dr. Jess, what would you say of this first stanza of The Only Son from Heaven? Well, the movement here is, is so clear from old to new, from the, the ancient prophecies that God now gives in human form his only Son from heaven. And so you really, you see in the first two lines, the whole movement from the promises that we had from the Old Testament to their fulfillment in the birth and, and the incarnation of the child. And then she moves to light, no sphere his light confining. So there's no, no place where his light does not shine. No star so brightly shining. So when we think of, of the brightest of lights, we think of a star. And of course, this reminds us of the, the wise men and the star over Bethlehem. And that he is our morning star. And I, I think one passage that you could say is, is also in play here is the Benedictus, where the dawn from on high shall shine upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And that morning star, I mean, it's dawned in the birth of Jesus. And, you know, this also reminds us that Christmas comes at that time of year when um, the light dies and then is reborn, and Christians really played off that. And that morning start, it is a new morning with the death and resurrection of Jesus that all starts with his birth in Bethlehem. And a light that just is so bright that there is no sphere that can confine it. I think you can also see how profoundly Trinitarian this hymn is that it's, it's the only son from heaven that the Father has given. And that idea that, 
that that God gives his son, I mean, built into that is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And you can hear that echoed in 1 John 4. So there, this is a, a verse that really moves us to the significance of the birth and the taking flesh by Jesus on the Christmas day and how Epiphany now is the continuation of that light that dawned there with that star and that birth into this season that is just a glorious season of seeing the manifestation of the glory of God in Jesus. Talk about the fact that, and you mentioned First John 4, it is often emphasized in Scripture that this is the only Son or the only begotten Son. What's the significance of that? Well, there were theories back in the ancient world that, you know, Jesus was um, just another son of God and another child of God and that he wasn't unique in any way. And this is where a Trinitarian theology is so important because the Father has only one son and he gives it to us. And the only son from heaven, there is no other. There's no other Messiah to look for. There's no other Savior to look for. And of course, Back in the ancient world, that was something that everybody was conscious of. They thought John the Baptist might be that person. There was heightened messianic activity at that time. And it was important for early Christians to emphasize that that this is the Father's Son, and it's his only begotten Son. And you can see that that is especially important in, in the writings of John. Dr. Arthur Just is our guest. We are studying the Epiphany hymn, The Only Son from Heaven. The theme of Epiphany is light, and it's in this hymn as well, but Jesus' own incarnation isn't really marked by visible glory. We'll talk about that next. What does it mean to inwardly digest God's Word? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. journal. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. John Warwick Montgomery tells his story of finding confessional Lutheranism to be the most scripturally faithful theology. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. Psalm 144.1 Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Those serving in the armed forces want LCMS chaplains. We need courageous pastors to bring the gospel and sacraments to those protecting our nation, along with wise counsel and the peace found only in Christ Jesus. If you are between the age of 26 and 43 and have a heart for ministry in the armed forces, call 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Many educational institutions are governed by the whims of culture and are increasingly hostile to the Word of God. In contrast, Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, provides classical Lutheran education rooted in God's Word for students preschool through grade 12. Simply put, we equip students to stand firm in the faith through solid education focused on wisdom and virtue. We offer in-person instruction as well as live online classes for remote learning. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. The Lord has gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation. 
These gifts can be received every week at both Grace Lutheran Church and Trinity Lutheran Church in Wichita, Kansas. Join us for divine services at Grace on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m., as well as every Wednesday at 11 a.m., or at Trinity every Sunday at 11 a.m. Grace is located at 3310 East Pawnee and Trinity at 611 South Erie. Gather with us around our Lord and His giving His gifts to us. See you soon. Theology for Blue Collar, White Collar, and Clerical Collar. You're listening to Issues Etc. Is it hard? Yes. Will it challenge you? Absolutely. Is it a blessing from God for you and those you will serve without question? Dr. Lawrence Rast, President of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. The pastoral ministry is all of these things, and that's why Concordia Theological Seminary exists to form servants in Jesus Christ who teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all. Men from all over the world with a variety of unique backgrounds come to our campus to receive faithful training that will equip them for the challenging but blessed work of serving as pastors in Christ's church. Learn more about studying for the vocation of pastor at ctsfw.edu or call 1-800-481-2155. Christ-Centered Worship, Confessional Theology, Lutheran Community, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're studying the Epiphany Hymn, The Only Son from Heaven. Dr. Arthur Just is our guest. He's author of the two-volume Concordia Commentary on Luke and the book Heaven on Earth, The Gifts of Christ in the Divine Service. You can purchase these resources on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. Dr. Just, the theme, or one of the themes in Epiphany, of course, is light, and it's in this hymn, Morning Star, and how uh, is brightly shining. But I would note that Jesus' incarnation, with the exception of the brief moment of his transfiguration, wasn't marked by visible glory. It's true, but it, it's part of the very nature of, you know, his humiliation that the glory of God is hidden and that it's revealed in ways that are incomprehensible to us. Again, going to the Gospel of John, that the glory of God is seen in the in the crucifixion. Now that that just doesn't make any sense. And that the the light that shines from Jesus is a light that is shown in, in acts of mercy and and forgiveness and miracles of of healing. And that his teaching is such that it's unlike anyone else's because it shows us that he fully comprehends the meaning of the scriptures and the meaning of God's plan of salvation. This is why I think the, the, the great teachers in the temple when he was 12 years old were astonished by his teaching, that it sort of cast a light on the meaning of scripture that no one had ever thought of before. And, and people would say, you know, he speaks with such authority. What he did, what Jesus did when he taught, and this is what Epiphany in many ways is about, it's teaching, is that, that he taught in such a way that it was, it was all good news. I mean, it was all the fact that, that he had come to set the creation free from its bondage and that the bondage of the law, which was what was the primary focus of the teaching of the Pharisees, especially in the synagogues, 
really put a yoke on them that nobody could really bear. And so the light is a kind of freedom and liberation that nobody had ever heard before or seen before. So it is, it is a hidden light. There's no doubt about it. But people who had ears to hear, they knew what was happening. They could see that there was a, a so to speak, light that emanated from him that emanated from no one else. Here stands a two of the only son from heaven. O time of God appointed, O bright and holy morn, he comes the king anointed, the Christ the virgin born, grim death to vanquish for us, to open heaven before us and bring us life again. What's the primary imagery in the second stanza? It comes from Galatians 4, where you, you have in that climactic moment where Paul says in the fullness of time, God sent his son born of a woman born under the law in order to redeem those who are under the power of the law so they may receive adoption as sons. And that's such a critical idea that there is a particular time set by the Father, as Paul says, for the incarnation to happen. And I mean, we just went through the season of Christmas where I'm sure people heard about how everything lined up so that Jesus could be born in Bethlehem. And this is the fullness of time. I mean, this this is the greatest moment in the history of the world. And I love how the author, how she tags onto the end of the first verse, the morning star, and talks about the bright and holy morn. Again, that theme that it's a new day. There's a, there's a new creation coming. There's a, a savior here who's coming to make all things new. And then the idea that he's a king, I mean, the three kings coming to him because he is a king and he is the, the king of Israel. And he's the king of, of the nations. He's the king of the world. And he's the king anointed. I mean, that obviously we anoint kings in the Old Testament. And the anointed, of course, is the Christ. So clever language. He's the king anointed, the Christ. And then these are all describing Jesus, the virgin born, you know, born out of a woman. Now, that was, of course, a scandal even in the first century. The theory and the first century among some was that it was a Roman soldier. And, you know, the idea that that this is a child who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit to a virgin who was in Nazareth when, when it was announced to her, this is where Luke 1, the Annunciation comes in, announced to her that as a virgin, she will bear a child. Remarkable how she goes from virgin-born to grim death to vanquish for us. So, I mean, she sees clearly that the reason for the virgin birth is so he might 
make atonement for our sins in his suffering, death, and resurrection on the cross. And what it what he does is, and, and this is one of the, I think, the great themes of Epiphany is that one of the ways in which we see who he is is that he is the one who conquers death by his death. That is, you know, death is the great, the great fear that we have, and we feel sometimes that death is the end, but no, it's the opening of heaven for us. And here, the baptism of Jesus, what happens at the baptism of Jesus? The heavens opens and the Father says, this is my beloved Son. This also looks forward, as I said earlier, to the transfiguration where the heavens open. Moses and Elijah come down. Heaven comes to earth. I use the transfiguration as an example of the divine service where heaven and earth are brought together in the person of Jesus. And I think maybe she's thinking here that, yeah, heaven is open to us now whenever we gather around this virgin-born son. And that's the reason why we have life, because the eternal one has come into this world. The infinite has come into the finite. And I think you can't help but think of baptism here, that our finite bodies are joined to his infinite body, and his eternal life now becomes ours in the waters of holy baptism. And that life is is clearly to the whole world, but you can't help but think that that life is now mine through the waters of baptism. I want to go back to this notion of him being the king, and you had mentioned he's the rightful king of God's people, of the nations, and of the world. And we often think, or maybe we're tempted to think, that he's like a king or that he's likened to a king. But you seem to be emphasizing the fact that he is really the only rightful king. All other kings are just pale imitations of Jesus. Yeah, they give us a glimpse of what a real king is like. But again, the irony is that his throne is a cross. His crown is a crown of thorns. And I mean, the whole notion of the kingdom of God, of which there must be a king, and that king is Jesus that his kingdom comes through suffering and death. And I mean, if you look at this hymn, that line, he comes the king anointed, so that grim death to vanquish for us. I mean, I think there's a connection there. And when Herod was talking to the wise men, he was looking for the king of the Jews. Nobody would have said, the Jews would never have said that their king is the king of the Jews, that he's the king of Israel. And they get it wrong again at the cross. The other Herod puts on the cross, Jesus, you know, of Nazareth, king of the Jews. Well, I mean, that's that's really not right. He's the king of, of all people. He's the king of, I mean, he is the Jewish and Gentile king. He's the universal king. He's the only king that matters. And I think when we think of him as the king, we think of judgment then, you know, where he will make that judgment for us at the end of the church year. And we're always looking sort of for the end of the church here, for that time of judgment. But as I always emphasize, the judgment is always there every Sunday. The king is present, and he's making that judgment. And that judgment he's making on on us is, take, eat, this is my body given for you. Take, drink, this cup is the New Testament of my blood poured out for you. I mean, that's what the king does for us. And that's why heaven is open to us. When we come back with Dr. Arthur Just, what does it mean that heaven is open to us? We're studying the Epiphany hymn, The Only Son from Heaven. 
If you appreciate Issues Etc., our 24-7 music and talk stations, and our daily verse-by-verse Bible study, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, please include a bequest in your will or trust for these worldwide media resources. A bequest allows you to receive an estate tax charitable deduction and reduces the tax burden on your family. Ensure your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren the opportunity to listen by including a bequest in your will or trust for Issues Etc., Lutheran Public Radio, and the Word of the Lord endures forever. Hello, this is Roy Askins with The Lutheran Witness. You've heard me talk about all the great content we publish in the print magazine of The Lutheran Witness, but I wanted to share with you that we have even more online. Visit our website, witness.lcms.org, where you'll hear even more content on worship this month in particular from Cantor Phil Magnus. We also have a series on literature right now going on and a series on church art with much more planned in the future. You can get all that for free on witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. The light of God's Word in a world of darkness. You're listening to Issues Etc. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we wrap up Colossians with the new life at home and in the workplace, a door for the word, greetings part one and greetings part two. Then we launch into Paul's epistle to Titus on Friday with the hope of eternal life. Join me. Pastor Will Whedon, for the word of the Lord endures forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're studying the Epiphany Hymn, The Only Son from Heaven, with Dr. Arthur Jest of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Before the break, you were talking about that line from the uh, second stanza of this hymn, To Open Heaven Before Us. What does it mean that heaven is open to us? Well, it means that there's nothing standing in the way from us having full access to God in Jesus. There were walls in the temple in Jerusalem, and only so many people could go by this wall. You know, if you were a Gentile, you couldn't go this far. If you weren't a priest, you couldn't go this far. If you weren't the high priest, you couldn't go into the Holy of Holies except the high priest. So there are all these boundaries, and now those boundaries are taken away. The curtain temple has been torn asunder. And in the person of Jesus, we have access to him. And that access comes simply by hearing his word, you know, as we gather together as the people of God, and then celebrating his supper where we actually have access to him by eating and drinking his body and blood. Now, there's no greater kind of access to the king than that. And I mean, that heaven is on earth when we are engaged in those acts of worship where we hear and eat the very word of God. So, I mean, there's nothing better than that. Even though it's hidden, just like, you know, we talked about earlier in the previous verse, the light is hidden. Yeah, it's hidden, but 
it's there and it's fleshly. It's, it's the very Son of God present for us for the forgiveness of our sins. The third stanza of the only Son from heaven. O Lord, our hearts awaken to know and love you more, in faith to stand unshaken, in spirit to adore, that we, through this world moving, each glimpse of heaven proving, may reap its fullness there. Lutheran Public Radio Choir with the Epiphany Hymn, The Only Son from Heaven, stanza three. What are we praying for in this stanza? Well, we're praying that God would give us the worship that we need to make it through this world to heaven itself. And we're praying for hearts that would wake up and see the light and know that the life of Christ is made manifest to us in this Epiphany season. And I love how she talks about knowing and loving. I mean, you do have to know something first. You have to know that Christ was born, that he died, that he rose, that he ascended. You need to know about his his life, his ministry, his teaching, his miracles. And when you when you have that, you have love. Love is born out of knowing. You get it's like when you fall in love. It's because you know somebody and you love what you know. It's interesting, though, that she goes from love to faith. Usually it's the other way around. We go from faith to love. But faith here now is something I think we have to see as it's a stand unshaken. The picture I have in my mind here is that when I'm in, in worship and I'm standing there and hearing the Word of God and receiving the gifts of His very body and blood, this is what gives me confidence. This is what allows me, as we heard at the end of the church year last year, to look up and see that my redemption is drawing near, you know, to be kind of rock solid foundation because I have this wonderful gift of being in the presence of Christ. And it's through the Spirit that we do this. I don't know if she's thinking of this, but, you know, worshiping in spirit and truth. Uh, it's a passage a lot of people miss because they don't quite fully understand that to worship in spirit and truth is to worship Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And um, wherever the spirit is, there's Jesus. And in spirit to adore the, the Christ who is present with us. And then the, one of my favorite lines of this hymn is the next one, that we, through this world moving, each glimpse of heaven proving, as we go through this life with all its trials and tribulations, its sufferings, its joys, but especially just under the burden of sin and death and, and grief and pain, we have these glimpses of heaven when we gather together in the presence of God, where heaven does come to us on earth. And that, that is how we make it through. I mean, that's why I think she's thinking about worship in this verse. 
that it is through worship that we have the ability to make it through this world and reap the fullness of what it means to have attended to the word of God and to his gift of the Holy Sacrament uh, during this life so that when it, when the time comes, we're ready and, and heaven has already opened to us and we simply enter into what we already know. So I think the prayer here is for a life of of right worship, of right glory, of of being given the, the incredible gift to receive the gifts of Christ in the divine service. You said earlier that heaven comes to earth in the divine service. What do you mean by that? Well, I think that when we talk about heaven, we're really talking about Jesus. So wherever Jesus is, there's heaven. So to be with Jesus is to be in heaven. And if if we say that that Jesus is present in the hearing of his word and the preaching of his word and the administration of his sacraments, then then heaven is there on earth with us because Jesus is there. And that's all I mean. Is it's that to say that heaven is here, that heaven has come to earth means that Jesus has come and is still here. So that's why we can say that we reap its fullness there, but we also are given everything in advance. Absolutely. And we reap it in its fullness because it, we will not be there will be no sin to cloud our our vision or to our experience. We won't be burdened by this world in which there is a brokenness. There will be nothing unbroken. It'll be the full, complete apprehension of the the, the Holy Trinity and in all its glory. The fourth stanza of The Only Son from Heaven. O Father, here before you with God the Holy Ghost, and Jesus, we adore you, O pride of angel host. Before you mortals lowly cry, Holy, 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 O blessed Trinity. makes this a little bit more than just a doxological ending to this epiphany hymn? I think one of the reasons is that it cites Isaiah 6, you know, the thrice holy. One of the things that people don't realize is that this verse is not original to the hymn. Elizabeth Krusiger did not write this verse. And yet it is seamlessly connected to the rest of the hymn. If you think about the third verse, when we were talking about the fact that it really is focusing us on worship, this verse now, it doesn't take us by surprise as much as it continues that kind of doxological Trinitarian praise of God, where we find ourselves really praying with the angels. And it really takes us into heaven that fullness that we will reap there, we really 
it's almost as if we are standing there in heaven with the saints and the angels singing to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, holy, 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 as we sing in the Sanctus, Lord God of Sabbath. It's, in a way, it is, I think, one of the most beautiful doxological Trinitarian verses in all of our hymnody. And one of the things that I think that you sort of can't help but ponder here is that statement, O pride of angels hosts, before you mortals lowly cry holy, holy, holy. And it's that sense where even now, before we we enter heaven as mortals, we can do heavenly worship. We can give heavenly praise. Our angels do, in fact, with angels and archangels and the whole company of heaven, we do join the heavenly choir in singing the Sanctus, holy, 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 Lord God of Sabbath. So we are taken up into the heaven, into the song of heaven. And if you think about it in terms of epiphany, what greater manifestation of what it means to see Jesus revealed for who he is than being able to join the heavenly choirs and sing praises to him for what he now reveals to us in this great season of epiphany. Dr. Arthur Just is our guest. We're studying the epiphany hymn, The Only Son from Heaven. Why is it important, speaking of this final stanza, that generally we maintain a strong Trinitarian emphasis in our hymnody? Here's an easy way for you to help us cast ChristNet on the internet. Subscribe, rate, and review the Issues Etc. podcast with your podcast provider. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us reach more listeners in 2024. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. Unforgiveness is a prison, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January will help you break out of the unforgiveness in your own life. It's titled, Unforgivable? How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. This new book is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. Or learn more about Unforgivable at issuesetc.org. Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives, The Issues Etc. Book of the Month. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. At Memoria Press, the Simply Classical curriculum is specifically designed for students with significant learning challenges. This complete program includes everything you need for a school, self-contained classroom, tutoring, or homeschool to make a classical Christian education accessible for any child. To learn more, visit us at simplyclassical.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Simply Classical, a beautiful education for any child.
expert guests, expansive topics, extolling Christ. You're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Bethlehem Lutheran, Sylvan Grove, Kansas. Faith Lutheran, Georgetown, Texas. Holy Cross Lutheran, Moline, Illinois. Emmanuel Lutheran, Perryville, Missouri. Mount Calvary Lutheran, San Antonio, Texas. Peace with Christ Lutheran, Fort Collins, Colorado. Shepherd of Peace Lutheran, Maumel, Arkansas. St. Mark Lutheran, Waco, Texas. St. Peter Lutheran, Clintonville, Wisconsin. And Trinity Lutheran, Wichita, Kansas. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including issues, etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click support, donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Welcome back to Issues Etc. We're studying the Epiphany Hymn, The Only Son from Heaven, with Dr. Arthur Just from Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. We were talking before the break about this final doxological stanza. More generally, Dr. Just, why is it important that we continue to include strong Trinitarian emphases in our hymnody? Well, I think it focuses us on the fact that the plan is a plan of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to accomplish our salvation, and that the final goal is to behold the Holy Trinity in heaven and to participate in fullness the life of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I think it's also very important for us to recognize with a doxological Trinitarian stanza like this, that that this is the life into which we've been baptized that the name that is placed on us and the name that we now glorify in our hymnody, especially in the final verses of many hymns, is the name that was placed upon us in holy baptism, that we were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that name is now the name we behold in all its fullness when we inherit that heavenly life that has been given to us in baptism. Let's hear the entire hymn, The Only Son from Heaven, then we'll get to Dr. Arthur Just's final thoughts. Yeah. 
Dr. Just, what are your final thoughts on this Epiphany hymn, The Only Son from Heaven? The fullness of time has come. The Christ is born. All the promises of the Old Testament have now been fulfilled. And his light is now dawning since the moment that he was born in Bethlehem. The Son of God is now here among us in the flesh. He walked this earth. We saw his miracles. We heard his teaching. But now he's present among us as we gather together around the gifts he gives us. That's what this hymn, in a way, is all about. That the King, the Anointed One, the Christ, born of a virgin, that he now has come to conquer death by his death. And many of us need to know that even though it seems like a dark winter day, that the light has dawned, heaven has opened to us. And even though sometimes it doesn't feel that way, we have to remember that just as heaven opened at the baptism of Jesus, heaven opened for us at the font when we were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that what he gave us was his life, that our life is not defined by the finite world in which we're in, but by the infinite life that he gives us by uniting us to his eternal flesh. Epiphany is a time when we contemplate what it means to worship the Christ. And what it means is that we can see that he is the morning star that has dawned, that even though there are many dark places in this world, that there is a light now that shines in those dark places. And that light that shines is the Christ. Our hearts need to be awake. We are sometimes lulled into a dreariness and a depression and a kind of a lethargy. But those of us who know the truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, those of us who know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and gave us faith to believe that and love to live that out, that this is why we, we need to come together as the people of God to worship in spirit to adore this child born in Bethlehem. So as we move through this world of ours, we need to remember that heaven is still here with us, that it hasn't left us, that Jesus isn't in heaven and not here with us. He brings heaven to us. And the harvest that is going to be reaped at the end of time is, is being prepared right now as people gather together to hear the word and receive the sacrament. And so we can't help but burst forth in song, Trinitarian song, glorious song that praises the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, singing with Isaiah, holy, holy, holy. And that this is the great thing that God gives us the capacity to do, that by faith in love, we can come into his presence and rejoice in this epiphany season that light and life have appeared in the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our King. Dr. Arthur Jest is professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. 
He's author of the two-volume Concordia Commentary on Luke and the book Heaven on Earth, The Gifts of Christ in the Divine Service. Concordia Theological Seminary forms servants in Jesus Christ to teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all. Find out about studying for the vocations of pastor or deaconess at ctsfw.edu or by calling 1-800-481-2155, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Dr. Jess, thank you. Thank you, Todd, and a blessed epiphany. Thursday on Issues Etc., we'll discuss neural implants and artificial intelligence with Pastor Trevor Sutton. We'll talk with Dr. Mark Rockenbach about abuse and forgiveness, and we'll have Pastor Tom Baker lead us in a Sunday school lesson on the Lord leaving the temple in the book of Ezekiel. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc., Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Hi, this is Pastor Clayton from Zion Lutheran Church of Mascuda, Illinois, a proud supporter of Issues Etc. Zion is a congregation firmly grounded in God's grace given in the Word and Sacraments where we treasure the timeless beauty of the liturgy. Zion is also a vibrant, young, family-friendly congregation where you would be warmly welcomed. Zion is located at 101 South Railway Street in Mascuda, Illinois, and we would love to share God's gifts of grace with you. For more information, please visit our website at zionmascuda.com. A blind sinner is carried to baptism administered by a pastor. Morning Chapel from Kramer Chapel. Live weekday mornings at 9 Central, 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain, and 7 Pacific at issuesetc.org. That was the epiphany event where our eyes were opened to see the amazing grace of God in the very face of Jesus College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com. Did you know that we send out an email each week that details upcoming show topics? It's available for you to include in your weekly church bulletin. Just click the Issues Etc. Journal logo at our homepage, issuesetc.org, and sign up to receive the church bulletin blurb. It's an easy way to invite your fellow parishioners to listen to Issues Etc. Issuesetc.org. Look for the Issues Etc. Journal logo and register to receive a weekly bulletin paragraph from Issues Etc.